Who was Blaze Foley? Well, for starters, Blaze Foley was the prototypical Americana artist before the genre even existed. He was the prototypical Americana artist before that term was coined by people who love real, genuine, good country music but don't want to admit that they like real, genuine, good country music. What were Blaze Foley's songs like? Well, most often they were mournful, hilarious, dark, or powerful, and many times all the above. Just ask Merle Haggard, Lyle Lovett, and John Prine, who were just three of the many artists that were fans of Blaze Foley's music, so much so that they would record some of his songs and release them on their own albums. Just ask Towns Van Zant and Lucinda Williams how good Blaze Foley was, because they wrote and recorded songs specifically about Blaze Foley. Just ask former Republican Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich, who often referred to Blaze Foley as his own personal Bob Dylan. Who was Blaze Foley? Well, he was born by the name of Michael David Fuller back in December of 1949. And just 39 years and two months later, he would be shot dead. What happened in between those two events is both myth and mystery. And on today's episode, we will do our best to find out the truth about Blaze Foley and his music as well as his life. So get yourself a big cheeseburger and some good french fries and listen up. Because this is That One Show, Episode 12, Duct Tape Messiah, The Life and Music of Blaze Foley. inexperienced and uninitiated, Blaze Foley may not even be known at all. And if he is, they likely know him just as the man who wrote If I Could Only Fly, a song about grief and one's longing to be with one who has passed away, so much so that they too wish that maybe they were dead as well. If I Could Only Fly is as devastating a piece of songwriting that has ever been produced, as shown here. If I could only fly, if I could only fly, I'd bid this place goodbye, come and be with you. But I can hardly stand. Got nowhere. 
Many artists have recorded If I Could Only Fly since Blaze first wrote and released it, including Merle Haggard, who clearly recognized the genius of the song so much so that he actually recorded it twice. First in 1987 as a duet with Willie Nelson, and then again 13 years later as the title track on his remarkable 2000 comeback album, If I Could Only Fly. Almost felt it touching me just now I wish I knew which way to turn and go Blaze Foley, before he was Blaze Foley, was given the nickname Deputy Dog that stuck for a while. Now, he was given this nickname by the North Georgia bluegrass band Buzzard's Roost, who began calling Blaze Deputy Dog because they thought, and accurately so, that he resembled the 50s cartoon character who always donned a flat, broad hat. Later, Foley was given the nickname Duct Tape Messiah. Now, why was he given this nickname, you may ask? It's a very odd nickname. Well, Foley had the habit of using very large, copious amounts of duct tape to hold together almost everything, including but not limited to his hat and shoes. Specifically, an old pair of cowboy boots that he wore for decades. Anytime they would start ripping or tearing or falling apart, he would just throw on another piece of duct tape until eventually they were pretty much made entirely of duct tape. Now earlier I mentioned that Lucinda Williams and Towns Van Zant both wrote songs about Foley with whom they were close friends. Lucinda's song alluded to his duct-taped shoes on her song, Drunken Angel, from her 1998 album, Car Wheels on a Gravel Road. Blaze Foley and Towns Van Zant 
became very close friends. And to be honest, both of them shared some self-destructive behavior, as we'll later find out. Towns went on to record Blaze's Blues about his friendship with Blaze Foley in the years between Blaze's death in 1989 and his own just a few short years later in 1997. Got no daddy but I got them all Think she lives in Arkansas I might just go and see her some old day It ain't like she really cared It ain't like she paid a fare But I might just go on Now that we have established a little bit about his nicknames as well as his friendships and influences on other musicians, let's circle all the way back to the beginning. Born in Malvin, Arkansas, on December 18, 1949, Michael David Fuller, later known as Blaze Foley, grew up in different places spent most of his childhood in either San Antonio, Texas, or North Georgia. And later, from his teen years on, he spent most of his time all throughout various parts of the state of Texas. In fact, when asked, most or all throughout his life, Blaze would state that his hometown was that of Marfa, Texas. Maybe it was because he longed to be considered a Texas trooper. His parents were Louise, who was the daughter of a Pentecostal preacher, and Edwin Fuller was his dad, who was a wandering alcoholic who possessed movie star good looks and left home and abandoned the family when Blaze was just a young boy. Afflicted with polio as a baby, Blaze was hospitalized in isolation at just seven months old. Later, he became a gifted singer just like his two older brothers, Doug and Pat. And Blaze, Mike at the time, performed with them and their mother in a gospel group called the Singing Four Family. Joining the act full time when his older brother left home. Later, Pat would be replaced in the group by Mike's younger sister, Marcia. And while the group would perform at various churches with Louise playing ukulele, Edwin, before he left the family high and dry, would sometimes accompany him to these shows, but he would just sit outside in the station wagon getting drunk on bottles of liquor. Mike, and just please keep in mind that we're referring to Blaze as Mike because he has not took on the persona of Blaze Foley just yet to eliminate any confusion. But anyway, Mike was actually obese throughout most of his adolescence. And as a young boy, when he began writing songs, he often wrote them about his own life, including what is actually his first known composition, a song called Fat Boy that he would later record, and would often pass a photo of his younger, fat, big-boned, heavy-set self through the crowd as he performed this song live. 
noted that Blaze would later complete and earn his GED. After he did that, he began to grow restless, so he took off to Memphis, Tennessee, where he stayed with relatives for a few months before once again moving on to North Georgia, where he settled in for a little while, and he began working as a roadie for the aforementioned band Buzzard's Roost, where if you remember earlier in the episode, christened him Deputy Dog. And in 1974, he began playing rhythm guitar in a house band at a local venue called the Bannon Mill, which was an alternative arts complex located about 45 miles west of Atlanta, Georgia. This venue was converted from an abandoned yard mill, and Bannon Mill was populated at this time by various hippies, actors, and musicians. And it is also where Mike met and fell in love with an actress by the name of Sybil Rosen, who worked at the time in a local theater troupe. Sybil Rosen was mesmerized by Blaze's voice as well as his original songs, which he often played at various venues around town, including Bannon Mill. The things she stated that she most loved about Blaze's songs were their honesty and depth. And she soon took up with Blaze, and they began a white-hot love affair. And for the next nine months, they lived together and loved together, just like hippies are wont to do, up in a treehouse that was built on land owned by Blaze's friend Joe Butcher. Yes, that's right. For several months, Blaze Foley and Sybil Rosen lived in a treehouse. In fact, Blaze Foley would later capture this time of his life when he wrote and recorded the song Treehouse Lullaby. Lover, Obviously, living full-time in a treehouse was not sustainable, and it's amazing that Foley and Rosin made it as long as they did. But they soon realized that this wasn't a way to live for all eternity, 
So they exited that tree and drove to Atlanta, Georgia, where they would settle in 1975 for a few months. It was here in which they both got to meet John Prine one night backstage at his show at the Great Southeast Music Hall in Atlanta. Now at this time, Prine was breaking out and had an absolute banger of an album that we've covered previously on the show, his self-titled debut. Foley recognized good music and was a huge fan of John Prine, and he was very much happy to get to meet him and talk with him backstage before the show. Foley, however, at the time was too shy to actually bring up that he was a songwriter himself, but he was not shy enough to go home with a souvenir. As Prine exited the dressing room area and headed to the stage for the concert, Blaze Foley snatched up an empty Heineken bottle that John Prine left. Now, the two's relationship would not end there, actually. As a matter of fact, many years later, and years later after Blaze Foley passed away, John Prine went on to record the great song that Blaze Foley wrote years earlier and released it on his 2005 album, Fair and Square. I am, of course, talking about the song Clay Pigeon. Here is Prime's version of that song. Smoking cigarettes in her last seat Sing this song for the people to meet And get along with it all But where the people say y'all I sing a song with a friend Change the shape that I'm in And get back in the game And start playing again I'd like to stay But I might have to go and start And of course, since this is podcast episode is about Blaze Foley and not John Prine, I'd be remiss if I didn't actually include a little bit of Blaze's original recording of Clay Pigeons, which is absolute phenomenal song. So here's a little bit of that one. I'm going down to the Greyhound station, going to get a ticket to ride, going to find that lady with two or three kids to sit down by her side, ride till the sun comes up and down around me about two or three times, smoking cigarettes in the last seat. Try to hide my sorrow from the people I meet and get along with it all. Shortly after their meeting with John Prine, early in 1976, Rosen and Blaze Foley were quote-unquote married. And the reason why I say quote-unquote is because they actually got married in an unofficial wedding ceremony, so they were never actually officially man and wife. That didn't stop them, however, from taking their honeymoon to Austin, Texas, where they actually hitchhiked by way of New Orleans. In Austin, Foley and Rosen were met with a live music scene that was hustling and bustling because it was the forefront and the outset of the outlaw country music movement. This, of course, meant very many more opportunities, but also more competition. Rosen, for her part during this time, waited tables while Blaze wrote songs, but his time in Texas was a short-lived one. As he was wont to do, he soon grew 
restless and hitchhiked back to Georgia, leaving Rosen behind in Austin. Now at this time, Fuller was not yet using the stage name Blaze Foley. He was actually using the stage name Blue Foley that was inspired in part by country singer Red Foley before he eventually and finally settled on the more badass sounding Blaze. Blaze Foley and Rosen were eventually reunited, but they still were living apart when they hatched a plan to relocate to Chicago, which was, of course, John Prine's hometown. However, both being from and living their entire lives in the South, did not like the barely cold and windy city of Chicago. Rosen took note of Foley's increasing tendency to self-sabotage his own performances there when he often numbed the sting of the distracted crowds or worse, sometimes hostile crowds by drinking copious amounts of alcohol before and during his stage performances. Foley soon told her that he was just couldn't take it no more there in Chicago and in 1977, March to be exact, he left Chicago and returned to Texas. However, before he did, he sat at the foot of their bed and played her a song that he would just had written, which was called, If Only I Could Fly. And after this visit, Foley and Rosen would only see each other alive once more. We will now take a brief break to pay a couple bills, but stay tuned. We have much more about Foley to talk about, and really, his story is just getting started. Soon, Foley met musician Gulf Morlicks, and the two hit it off and began a quick friendship. At the time, Morlicks was a musician in his own right, but later he actually turned producer, producing albums by the likes of Lucinda Williams, Mary Gaither, as well as Ray Wiley Hubbard. Together, Morlicks and Foley moved to Houston, Texas, where they began playing shows around town, most often with Foley opening and Morlicks closing. Now, at this time, the most popular movie in America was Urban Cowboy starring John Travolta and Deborah Winger. It was so popular that many people began to dress like Travolta's character of Bud in the film. You see, Bud wore a pair of silver-tipped cowboy boots. So now, what did Blaze Foley do in response to all these fake cowboys walking around town wearing metal-tipped silver cowboy boots? He took his own nasty old pair of boots, and made silver tips out of duct tape on them. That's right, the duct tape massage strikes again. Now around this time, Blaze signed a deal with Zephyr Records and released one of his first recordings, a 45 with the A side of If I Could Only Fly and the B side, Let Me Ride in Your Big Cadillac. Won't you take my little hand Lead me to the promised land Let me ride and pick that land I'm so tired of walking around Let me hear your trumpet sound Let me ride and pick that land 
For the most part during this time, Blaze was on his best behavior and more often than not was able to stay sober for his performances, which were actually very well received, so much so that he was soon invited to open for rising country singer Kinky Friedman at his residency at a club called the Lone Star. It was during this residency that Blaze was paid a visit by Old Flame and ex-unofficial wife Rosen. They were amicable and friendly at this meeting. In fact, Blaze gave her a copy of his recently released 45 and invited her to come watch him later that night perform at the Lone Star. She, of course, did, but I'm not for sure, but I guess the meeting had lasting effects on Foley as he, for the first time in a long time, came on stage very intoxicated. Rosen was upset and left immediately, and Blaze's intoxicated performance that night was so bad that Freeman fired him after the show. It so happened at this time that Blaze's friend, Towns Van Zant, was in town, and his presence in Foley's life coincided with what would become with Blaze increasingly drinking heavily day after day. Foley would return to Austin where when he wasn't making a show of himself by gorging on alcohol, he was at times able to impress audiences with his masterful finger picking on his guitar as well as his brilliant and rough hewn vocals. There are two kinds of Blaze Foley's, Van Zant once told the Austin American Statement newspaper back in 1989. A lot of people saw one or the other. There was the wild side, but there was also the gentle, loving, and caring side. And I was fortunate enough to know both. Van Zant would go on to say of Blaze, He is one of the most spiritual cats I've ever met. He is an ace picker, a writer who never shrinks from the truth and never fails to rhyme. And he had one of the flashiest wits I've ever known. Now while forging his own serpentine path to stardom, such as it was during his lifetime, Blaze Foley also came to champion and befriend many other artists, including Texas songwriter Kimmy Rhodes and Pat McDonald and Barbara Kay, who were known as the group Tim Buck Three, who actually in nineteen eighty six had a top twenty pop hit that you might remember, called My Future's So Bright, I Gotta Wear Shades. Previously stated, in 1987, Merle Haggard and Willie Nelson covered a duet version of Blaze's song, If I Could Only Fly, which resulted in Blaze Foley getting his first ever royalty check, and Foley immediately made an investment in several rolls of colored duct tape. And although he was able to sober up a bit once again during this time, 
Soon thereafter, Blaze's rough and rowdy ways continued all throughout Austin. He was so drunk and belligerent during this time that he was actually banned from almost every local club with one exception, the Austin Outhouse, where, toward the end of 1988, he played a two-night gig that was captured on a four-track cassette recorder. Now, this set is widely available wherever you stream music, as Blaze Foley live at the Austin Outhouse, and it is a phenomenal example of what Foley could do when he was sober and focused. It was also one of the last things we would ever hear from Blaze Foley. For on the night of January 31st, 1989, Foley had once been up drinking and fighting at the Austin Outhouse before he ended up at the home of his friend, Concho January. In the early hours the next morning, when January's son, Carrie, also known as JJ, showed up, an argument ensued between him and Blaze, and JJ shot Foley with a 22 rifle. Blaze was rushed to the local hospital, but the bullet had entered his already severely compromised liver, and he died on the operating table. Carrie January was arrested and charged with murder, but ultimately acquitted in September of 1989. Foley was buried in a duct tape covered coffin in South Austin's Live Oak Cemetery, where his tombstone bears his profile picture as well as the outline of his guitar with several of his song titles engraved in sign. The tombstone itself features these lyrics from Blaze's song, Big Cheeseburger and Good French Fries. Think I'm crazy, but that depends. I don't seem that crazy to me. Love go to parties and love my friends. Got no books, just got bookends. Think I'm crazy, but that depends. Don't seem that crazy to me. Where well, stories old's been said before. Solar is to it, and here's some more. Friend coming over from a liquor store. Joe, he danced till his feet get sore. Love my woman, and my woman love me. Don't go skiing, cause I can't ski. That kind of thing never did bother me, so it shouldn't be bothering you. That one show with Brian Combs is brought to you by Thatcher Barbecue Company and is written, produced, and recorded by me, Brian Combs. You can look me up on social media, on Twitter, at That One Show BC, on Instagram, at That One Show with Brian Combs, on Facebook, at That One Show Podcast and on Patreon at That One Show. So go follow us along on any of those sites, and please subscribe on iTunes or Spotify, whichever you prefer. And finally, if you are enjoying this show, I ask from the bottom of my heart that you recommend it to at least one other person with whom you feel would enjoy it as well. Until next time, this has been That One Show with Brian Combs.